be seated. It is such a joy to be here with you this evening to celebrate Good Friday with our church family here together. Apparently, my voice is unique in causing this problem, so they are fixing it as I continue to speak. But if you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn to Isaiah 53. You can pull up your Bible app as well, Isaiah 53, and we are going to pick up where our responsive readings have left off in verse 7, looking at Isaiah 53, verses 7 to 9 tonight, and before we read the scripture passage, let me pray for us. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would meet each and every one of us here as we seek to spend a few brief moments reflecting on the precious blood of Christ. I pray, Holy Spirit, that in our time together, that blood would become more and more precious to each and every one of us in here this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Isaiah, in his servant song, starting in verse 7, he says, he, speaking of Jesus, was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, perhaps it is because of my struggle with shame, of feeling like I am an inconvenience or an annoyance to others, or because I feel like I don't deserve anything. But I find that whenever someone is doing something for me, I am regularly wondering about, perhaps even obsessing over whether they are doing the thing because they want to do it, or because they feel like they have to do it? Are they willingly going along, excited about whatever it is, or are they reluctantly doing something they'd rather not be doing? This can range from relatively small things like where to go for lunch or what time to eat to the more significant things in life. And recently, I'm becoming more and more aware of how much I am affected by my perception of their motivation. If I sense that this other person is excited or at least willing to do whatever they're doing, then I, I feel accepted. I feel like all is well. I feel like I belong. But when I feel like they're reluctant, like they're, they're only doing something to cross a box, to, to check a box off, if they're only doing it because they feel like they have to, then, then I can feel my insecurities begin to arise as I feel more and more like a burden. Can you relate to that? Well, if this is true for how we think about our relationships with others, how much more does it apply to how we think about our relationship with God? The truth is, each and every one of us in here tonight is, is profoundly impacted by our perception of how God feels towards us. How we think God feels towards us impacts us tremendously, and the good news is that God knows this. 
He knows that how we experience his thoughts and feelings about us deeply impact how we relate and respond to him, which is why God, time and time again in his word, goes out of his way to assure us of his loving heart for us, of his good and gracious disposition towards us. And at the center of this assurance of God's love for us is the death of Jesus. What we're celebrating here tonight, where on the cross, God supremely demonstrates his love for each and every one of us. And as we're going to see tonight, God just doesn't want to tell us that Jesus died for us. But he wants us to see clearly, and he wants us to be affected by his willingness to do it. Because this willingness makes all the difference. So if you're taking notes or if you just want to jot something down tonight, in our passage, we are going to see that Jesus willingly suffers for willful sinners. Let's briefly unpack this and then tie it and then apply it to our lives. In verse 7, we read, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Speaking of the servant who the New Testament reveals to us as Jesus, we are told that he was oppressed and he was afflicted. These words speak to the physical brutality that Jesus endured throughout his arrest, trial, and his crucifixion. It includes what we've heard tonight, the slapping and the spitting, the crown of thorns shoved into his skull, the flogging and the shaming as he is stripped naked and nailed to a Roman cross. And as he endures all of this, the oppression and the afflicted, we are told that he opened not his mouth. And far from simply meaning that Jesus didn't say anything while all of this is going on, in this phrase here, we see the willingness of Jesus to endure everything he was going through. We see that willingness on full display. We see that Jesus, while he could have at any moment called down hundreds of angels to fight for him as all of this was going on, he doesn't do any of this. But instead, he willingly submits. He opens not his mouth as he is, as he accepts the oppression and the judgment. Trying to grasp what this would have looked like, Isaiah pictures a lamb that's led to the slaughter or a sheep on its way to the shears. These, these animals who go willingly wherever their masters lead them. Because that's exactly what it would have looked like as Jesus was led from place to place, enduring the beating and the torture and the shame. As we've seen this, we would see someone going willingly, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. But as we think about this comparison to the lamb led to the slaughter, we know that there is a world of difference between that lamb and Jesus. Because while the lamb or the sheep, they have no clue about their fate, we see that Jesus knows exactly where he is willingly going for each one of us. We see this in verse 8, follow along with me. Isaiah continues, he says, By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression? of my people. 
Where was Jesus willingly going? Where was Jesus like a lamb that is led to the slaughter? Where was he willingly going? Well, in verse 8, we see that he is going to be cut off out of the land of the living. This phrase here, cut off, highlights the extremely violent way that Jesus would die in his crucifixion. And as Isaiah points out in verse 8, we see the why. We see that it was for the transgression. It was for the rebellion of his people. It was because of our sin and our rebellion against God. It was for all of the ways that you and I willfully shake our fist at him refusing his good and gracious rule over our lives, thinking that we know best. It is because of our sin that Jesus is cut off. And it's when we consider this reality that the willingness of Jesus is taken to a whole new level. Because here we see in verse 8 that Jesus willingly suffers, not for those who are down on their luck, not for those who have simply made a mistake or those who are innocent, but no, he willingly suffers for willful sinners. He willingly suffers for willful sinners like you and me. Paying the penalty of death that you and I deserved because of our sin and our rebellion against God. And the amazing reality is that as Jesus approaches the cross, we see here in Isaiah that there is no reluctance in him. Jesus is not reticent he has no reservations. He's not dragging his feet, mumbling to himself, if I have to. But as we see in verse 7, he goes willingly and eagerly to willfully suffer for you and for me. In the Gospel of John, we see that we, it, and Isaiah is not the only one who tells us this. In the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus himself says that no one takes his life from him, but he willingly lays down his life so that you and me would experience the abundant life of relationship with him. The writer to the Hebrews says that it was for the joy that was set before Jesus that he endured the cross. Can, can you believe that? It was for the joy set before Jesus, the joy of seeing you and me experience his forgiveness, of seeing you and me restored to our relationship with him, that he willingly endures the cross. This is almost too good to be true. As we've been hearing the gospel of John read to us, as we've been reciting out loud Isaiah 53, 6, it is amazing to think that Jesus did this for you and for me willingly. And it's important that we see that he did this willingly because as we see his heart for us, it is when everything begins to change. Because as we see that Jesus did this willingly, we can receive and respond to his help for us in ways that are appropriate. I mean, just think of the last time that you needed help with something. Maybe, maybe you needed help moving. I'm reminded of our move a year ago. And as we're thinking about that time, just imagine that you are needing to move your house. And as that morning approaches, people show up with depressed looks on their faces. They come in, they come in already asking, how long am I going to be here? They clearly don't want to be there. As, as that is how someone is coming to help you move, what's your response going to be? You're going to feel bad. You're going to feel like a burden. You're going to feel like you owe them something, like you need to pay them back for what they're doing. 
But picture that same scenario and the group of people come over to your house with smiles on their faces, eager and ready to help. They come telling you they've blocked out the whole day, they brought an extra dolly, they brought an extra friend. What is your response to that going to be? You are going to be extremely grateful. You are going to feel loved and cared for. And if for any reason you desire to get them something, to show them your gratefulness, it's not going to come from a posture of feeling like you owe them something, like you need to pay them back. But it's coming from a heart of gratefulness and a heart of gratitude. And as we look to the cross, we see that Jesus, or we see that God doesn't want us to think that Jesus was reluctant as he went to the cross, that he was only doing something because he felt like he had to. You see, God doesn't want us to look at the cross and feel burdened, like somehow we now owe him, like we have to do something that we don't really want to do because he did something that he really didn't want to do. But no, as we look at the cross here in Isaiah 53, we see Jesus's willing heart for us. We see that he left heaven, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death. He did all of that willingly and eagerly. He did it with great joy so that as we look to the cross, we would not feel burdened. We wouldn't feel weighed down, but that we would look to the cross and we would see and feel his delight in us, that we would feel and see and know his joy in us, that we would know deep in our bones his love for us, that even though we didn't do, that we didn't deserve anything, Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Here, as we look to the cross, as we see Jesus willingly walking to Golgotha, we see the breadth and the length. We see the height and the depth of God's love for us. Sisters and brothers, this Good Friday, let's marvel at our Savior's willing heart for us, knowing that his heart for us today is the same as it was then at the cross. Jesus was for you then, and he is willingly for you now. I just wonder, where are you tempted to doubt this? Where are you tempted to believe that this is God's heart for other people, but not for yourself? Perhaps there's a struggle with sin, or maybe there's an experience of suffering that you are going through. Well, no matter what it is, no matter, that, no matter what it is that comes to your heart that causes you to question God's love for you, tonight know that God wants you to see his heart of love for you. He wants you to feel the delight and the joy that he feels in you as we look to the cross, so that we might, as we look to the cross, that we might see Christ's blood as precious for us. Well, if you are, are here this evening and perhaps Christianity is new to you or you would consider yourself more of a doubter than a believer. First off, I just want to thank you for being here with us this Good Friday evening, but also as we look to the as we look to the cross, as we see Jesus willingly going to the cross, I would just want to encourage you to look to the cross and to see the love that you have longed to experience, to see that that exists and that Jesus is freely and willingly offering that to you right now. So look to him, turn to him, trusting in his life, death, and resurrection that you might experience this love. If this is new to you or something that you would want to find out more about, I would just encourage you to talk to me, talk to anyone in here after the service. They would love to talk to you about that. 
Well, as we end, I think it's appropriate as looking at Christ's willing heart that we take the Lord's Supper together. So I want to invite Scott and, the, and Isabella and